This is the Speaking of Writers podcast. I'm Steve Richards. David Andelman, longtime columnist for CNN and veteran correspondent for The New York Times and CBS News, astutely combines history and global politics in his new book, A Red Line in the Sand, Diplomacy, Strategy, and the History of Wars that Might Still Happen, in an effort to examine the present and draw lessons for the future through the prism of the past. A Red Line in the Sand is a story of barriers, physical, diplomatic, military, and existential. that have proliferated in years across every continent, and Andelman asserts that there have never been more red lines at any one point in history than today. Andelman provides a riveting and illuminating behind-the-scenes stories of the world's most intense red lines, from diplomatic and military challenges at particular turning points in history to the ones that set the tone of geopolitics today. From the red line in Munich that led to the start of the Second World War to the red lines in the South China Sea, the Korean Peninsula, Syria, and the Middle East, this book traverses the globe in order to understand war, peace, and global politics. A red line in the sand draws upon original documentary research, previously classified material, interviews with key players, and reportage from more than 80 countries across five decades to help us understand the growth, the successes, and frequent failures that have shaped our world today. As the United States establishes more red lines than it has pledged to defend, every American should understand this. David A. Andelman is a veteran New York Times and CBS News correspondent and executive director of the Red Lines Project. He is an award-winning columnist for CNN, contributed to NBC News, Think. He has served as the editor and publisher of World Policy Journal, as an executive editor of Forbes and news editor at Bloomberg. Graduate of Harvard University and the Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism and a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. Makes his home in Pennsylvania and Paris, France, too. He also has a new podcast, Evergreen Podcast. It's a 12-part podcast series based on his work and research for this book, A Red Line in the Sand. Happy to have David Andelman join me here for the first time on Speaking of Writers. Welcome. It's an enormous privilege, Steve. Good to be with you. Thank you. What is exactly a red line, and why do they matter, David? Well, a red line is basically some kind of a barrier. I mean, one that most people know most um, approximately is the one that uh, Obama, President Obama set up uh, with respect to in Syria, with respect to Bashar al-Assad and the use of chemical weapons. So he basically said, and this was just an offhand comment of his saying, Assad crossing that red line and using chemical weapons on his own people, that is a red line that we cannot let pass. The problem is, is there are a lot of red lines like that. That is, challenges to existing authority, uh, boundaries between countries and so on. Um, a lot of these are simply not very well defined. I mean, boundaries between countries obviously are, to a certain degree. Um, but others that like that red line with um, the President Obama set up are not necessarily clearly defined. And that's where you begin to have a problem with red lines. For instance, um, in Africa, there are scores and scores of red lines right now between various tribes, between the various um, um, terrorist groups that are suddenly taking root there after being expelled basically from the Middle East, uh, from the Mesopotamia and uh, Syria and Iraq regions. Uh, all of them are, are, are really defined by the red lines that they've established uh, that are their, basically their, their terrain of interest and, um, and, and um, scope. So it really does depend on where you, what you're talking about. In the South China Sea, for instance, there are red lines around each of the various islands that China has occupied and built up into military bases uh, throughout the South China Sea. So there are dozens of them all, all across that really particularly strategic part of the world. So each part of the world that I look at in this book has a different set of red lines, some more toxic than others, some direct boundaries, some simply 
religious um, boundaries between Shiite and Sunni, for instance, in the Middle East. So to define red lines broadly is what I've sought to do in this book, and I think it's very effective. David, you mentioned China. Is Taiwan a red line? Oh, without question. Uh, Taiwan is a red line. Um, uh, certainly, well, let's, let's put it this way. There was a red line around China that um, the Western powers, particularly the United States, have, have erected along with the Taiwanese. Um, China does not consider that a red line. It considers that uh, Taiwan is a part of China. Um, this has never really come to a test. That is to say, uh, beyond a few scattered um, skirmishes, for instance, in the Formosa Strait uh, uh, back a half a century ago, uh, basically, uh, it's, it's, a, um, it's a line that's been allowed to exist on paper, in people's minds, but never actually tested to that degree. So, yes, there's no question about the fact that, uh, that Taiwan is a red line and could become an important issue in the future, but I suspect will not. I don't think either, either China or the United States is really ready to go to the mat on that one. I want to go back to Obama and Syria, because you do spend a lot of time on this. What happened with Obama and Syria? What was the effect on France, which you know well, too, having spent and spent a lot of time there? Well, the effect on France was probably more catastrophic than any other component of that whole, um, that whole sad um, uh, history. You know, that, that's the, uh, that is the red line that I actually began work on this whole project. Um, I had originally thought that this might be a book in itself, and I was approached by two French journalists of, of some note. Uh, who had excellent contacts with uh, Hollande. Hollande had agreed to cooperate on this, to do just an anatomy of that particular red line. What I discovered, though, is that it's basically been written about, uh, from the American perspective, um, as much as it's going to be. The Obama people basically consider this one of their, shall we say, most embarrassing moments. It's the one red line that never really worked very well for them, or indeed for everybody and for anybody else. Uh, Obama pulled out of that because he's beginning to get cold feet, and also because, frankly, the British, who were supposed to be partners in our action against Bashar al-Assad, they decided that they wanted to pull out after the British Parliament um, refused to allow uh, the Prime Minister uh, the right to go in. So what was left was, um, you know, the United States and France, Obama pulled out, Francois Hollande was left hanging. This was catastrophic for his ultimate political future. Uh, his uh, popularity dropped to about 13%. And within two years after that, uh, he finally decided he was not going to run for re-election. So it, it effectively destroyed Hollande as a viable political uh, force in France or in Europe. Um, I don't think this was the, certainly not the intent of Obama, but um, it was one of the principal impacts of that, uh, that sorry event. Chatting with David Andelman here on Speaking of Writers, his book is A Red Line in the Sand, Diplomacy, Strategy, and the History of Wars that Might Still Happen. I mentioned in the introduction, David, all the research you did for this book, interviews uh, with key players, the original documentary research, previously classified material. What surprised you the most uh, after doing all that research? Well, I guess what surprised me the most, and this was something I began years ago, but uh, trying to set up a, basically a a catalog of all of these uh, these red lines is the extent of these red lines and and how deeply enmeshed they were in in the history and the the topography the um, it's the very core of the nature of all of, a lot of these countries where they were implanted. And there are red lines that I trace back in the book uh, as far as back as 4000 BC or further. Um, the real original red line in the sand, remember, was the in the Book of John when um, uh, the uh, the Pharisees brought. Um, uh, a, 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 an adulteress to Jesus and said, um, uh, under Mosaic law, she should be stoned to death. And Jesus drew a line in the sand, hence half my title, and said, he who dares to step across that land may cast the first line, may cast the first stone. And of course, no one did. Um, 
There were red lines in uh, in, in, in and around the um, uh, Arabian Peninsula back, um, you know, a thousand years, certainly back to the time of Muhammad. Um, there were red lines across Africa um, for, for for centuries. So it, it's really, I guess what, what surprised me the most was the, the, the history of a lot of these red lines and how deeply buried they were in the in the culture and the nature of the societies that, that were involved. David, what about the pandemic's geopolitical impact on the red lines? Right. Well, you know, I was writing this book uh, and, and finished writing it in the early spring when um, the pandemic was just beginning. So I told my publisher I needed to do a coda. And the coda basically took us through June of last year. The pandemic's impact on, on red lines has been really quite extraordinary. Um, although I suspect it's beginning to rationalize itself. What happened initially, particularly in Europe, was that all of the red lines that had been taken down during the entire development of the European Union, they suddenly sprang up. And um, all the boundaries in Europe that had been taken down uh, since the Schengen Agreement that, that basically said you could travel uh, unrestricted from the British Channel all the way to, um, uh, to, the, to Eastern Europe, without ever showing a passport, without passing a boundary, really, a border. Those all suddenly started going up. Um, there were, uh, you know, national police uh, suddenly on, on, on the old frontiers along, the, along highways, auto routes, and so on, between countries stopping people and saying, you can't go here, you can't come in unless you're a French citizen or Italian citizen or what have you. And suddenly, uh, the, whole, the whole topography of, of Europe began to change. And that happened, that lasted for about five or six months, until suddenly... People began to realize, you know, this, this, this virus doesn't respect red lines. It doesn't respect national boundaries. It's universal. So the best way of fighting this really is to, for everybody to, to work together on this. And the red lines began to, come, began to come down again. And now we have much more of a unified concept in Europe of how to deal with this. And this has happened um, in, in many other places, certainly in, um, along the African continent. Uh, it's happening in Asia. The, the need to, to isolate like that, the, the need to really cut countries off from each other, people are beginning to realize that doesn't necessarily work when it comes to dealing with, these, um, with the pandemic. We talked about uh, former President Obama and Syria. Of course, uh, the new president, Joe Biden, was his vice president at the time. How do you think the uh, new Biden administration is going to deal with red lines in the sand? Well, I'm hoping that they, uh, they understand that it is the most toxic legacy that... Um, that um, from Trump to, uh, to Biden, and they understand that, I think, quite deeply. I know Tony Blinken certainly does, uh, our new uh, Secretary of State, um, almost Secretary of State, certainly Secretary of State-designate. Um, I, I think they understand uh, deeply the, 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 the challenges involved. I, I think what, uh, what they're going to have to do initially is to help people recognize that this is a new, uh, a new sheriff in town, if you will, and, and it's someone who really reacts rationally to all of these challenges in these parts of the world. Um, you know, the biggest challenge in, in the Middle East is, is certainly Iran. There's no doubt about that. And the Iranians, uh, even since the election, uh, since um, uh, the victory of Biden last November, they've continued to, um, uh, to assist the, um, you know, the militias, the, the Shiite militias in Iraq to build up you know, these 20 new Shiite militias that have come along even since the, um, since the election in, um, um, in, in, in November. So there really has to be a sense of, of, of all of these countries that the United States is prepared to stand firm, but is prepared to de deal fairly with all of these individuals and with, with these individuals and with these countries. And, and I think that's what um, that's going to be the challenge of, of, of Biden and his administration is to demonstrate that they are they understand the problems and they can deal with them in a rational and um, a logical basis 
and with an understanding of the issues that are important to those countries as well. David Andelman, the book is A Red Line in the Sand, Diplomacy, Strategy, and the History of Wars That Might Still Happen. And you have the podcast, too. Uh, that is a 12-part podcast on Evergreen Podcasts is where you can find it. David, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. And this is Speaking of Writers.